Hello, hello. Look who oh, showed God. up. It's oh the listeners. <laughs> Welcome to Vicious Cycle, the comedy podcast about periods. Heavy on the comedy. I'm your co-host, Meg Hayes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That is Meg Hayes. Killing it with the intros. I'm your co-host, Meg Trowbridge. <laughs> and I'm Kate Elston. Heavy on the comedy. That's actually a pretty good tagline that we should have used oh, 105 no episodes ago. You really Jesus, where were we? You know, my best ideas come 100 episodes in. I should have told you that at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Anywho, um, we are your blowsts. Wait, did you both introduce yourselves? Yeah. Yes. Okay, While you sorry. were giggling well, at yourself. Tackling. Um, welcome, listeners. We're very excited to bring to you a very fun, a very spooky, um, just just in time for the Halloween season um, yeah. graphic novel called Squad. And we had a bleeding rainbow with the blighter herself. <laughs> the blother. The blother, of course. Um, Maggie Takuda Hall. Y'all ready for this? Maggie so kindly came on our show to talk about her bleeding story, to talk about her incredible graphic novel that's so good so entertaining i wish there mm. were 10 volumes of them maybe if we all read it maggie will write more because Yay. it is an incredible uh graphic novel about some gals living in the bay area and wanting to do something about spooky guys but not that <laughs> kind of spooky like social commentary spooky um <laughs> <laughs> I'm not giving anything away, but that's right. Anyways, um, Maggie's fantastic. I'm yeah. excited for people to, re- to and if you read haven't, this. Yeah, and if you haven't read the book, listen anyway because yeah. yeah, we don't spoil. I don't think, and even if we did, it's so like it's it's not really about a book about spoiling. It's a graphic yeah. novel, so it's super yeah. fun and um, yeah, just enjoy because then we also just talk about life. We talk about life and love and. Liberty and the pursuit of happiness. <laughs> we talk about, you know, our connection to moons and yes. where people. Yeah. And um and how yeah. anger's fucking okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um speaking of well, speaking of which, we did get a phone call about kind of a read my labias about a shitty shitty dude. <gasps> This person needed to like vent and they called us. So I would love to play this call. Hello, ladies. Uh, this is Caitlin. I have a why I cry slash read my labia slash everything. Um, so I had an interesting encounter in Walmart today. Um, I am going out of town this weekend. So I went to Walmart kind of, you know, later in the evening and, you know, I'm going down the aisles, and all of a sudden I hear, excuse me. And I look over, and it's, you know, a guy. And, I, you know, I'm probably maybe a couple of inches taller than him. And he's like, you know, can you help me get this from off the top shelf? And, you know, there was, like, a case of waters that was kind of, like, pushed back a little bit on, like, the top shelf of, like, you know, Walmart shelves or whatever. And I was like, 
uh, okay, sure. <laughs> Excuse me. And so I get over there, and he's like, so you, can you pick me up? And I was like, uh, no, <laughs> you're definitely too heavy for me. And he was like, well, can I pick you up? And I was like, I, I think I can get it. <laughs> And so I stepped on a pallet that was on the floor, and I lifted myself to grab it. And all of a sudden, I am being lifted into this into the air by this strange man. He's got his arms wrapped around my, like, mid-thigh with his face. Mm. And he is just lifting me up. I could see over the top of the aisles. And I was like, oh, my God, put me down. I'm good. I got it. Put me down. Put me down, down, down. <laughs> And he finally set me down, and I was just like, I, 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 I did not even know what to say. Um, I have no words. I walked away, and I hid, and I called my mother. <laughs> and then whenever I was in the checkout line, I felt a tap on my shoulder. And he, um, you know, he leaned in, and he was just like, you know, thank you for helping me. Um, I really enjoyed picking you up, and you're super soft. And I was like, the fuck? And just, my God, I just, you know, it's that was a couple of hours ago. And as I'm, like, sitting and processing it and, like, going over what happened, it just, it made me cry just thinking of how uncomfortable, like, this random-ass man comes and picks me up in, in the store when I had told him no. Um, so it just. Definitely, as I was sitting across this, it just made me cry a little bit. But I figured you guys would appreciate the crazy story. But lead on and have a great day. What is wrong with men? Uh, what it makes is me wrong uh, with men? So fucking mad. Okay, Caitlin, I'm immediately in revenge mode. Here's what yes. you do. You time your next period. You know this man is doing the same shit at the same grocery store. Hell yeah. Because he hasn't been caught yet. You put a loose menstrual cup full of blood in your cooter and be like, you know what? I changed my mind. You can lift me. (laughs) And then just blood a face. Carry moment. Carry moment. Carry moment. Carry moment. Yes. Yes. What a fucking... Piece of piece shit. of shit. You have all the, you have all the right to feel that angry and to cry and. Yeah. Ugh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. That's um, same. I hug you. I miss. What did he say after he's like? I really enjoyed picking you up. You're so soft. I think. Ugh. Ugh. It's so disgusting. disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Um. I'm glad that you got out of there and yeah. like yeah agreed. yeah fuck that guy and thank fuck you you know guy. for calling us after your mom <laughs> yeah we're always here for those phone calls and i, I honestly oh men are trash men are men absolute trash are and yes trash. you know what all men <laughs> i'm gonna you say heard it here first, you heard it here first. <laughs> um thank you for I, your call yeah thanks for sharing yeah caitlin thanks for Sorry. calling us and i think this conversation with maggie author of squad oh will feel cathartic we'll be after. right up your yes, I think yes the main yes. characters of squad may have a date with your gentleman at walmart <laughs> <laughs> oh man um but before that i have a i have a story y'all <laughs> great oh boy a period story um you know how i share 
laundry with my neighbors. Yes. Yeah. I live in a building where in we sh- there's three units that share a garage, and in the garage is laundry. And uh, everything's fine. Everything's great. Uh, we have our days where we do laundry, blah, blah, blah. I go down there, and uh, I guess in my last load, I had left behind one of those tree hugger pads. Yeah. <laughs> I assume... I really hope it had been dried (laughs) and someone didn't pick it up sopping wet and put it in the dryer for me. (laughs) But it was sitting nicely on top of the dryer as like sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, someone's extra sock. Oh, someone's extra, you know, underwear. Oops, that's awkward. This is more awkward when someone has found my bright green fuzzy tree hugger pad it's so it looks like like kermit the frog like towel (laughs) and thankfully thankfully there was no stain on it because i am oh that is thankfully unless unless i guys because i swear there was a stain on that before look when i put it in to wear so I, like, you know, like a leftover, just like yeah. a stain. Yeah. So I really hope that one of my neighbors didn't like put bleach on it, give it an extra wash. <laughs> yeah. like. Let me get this just nice and spick and span for her. Oh, if man. they did, could I bring over my my tree hugger? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I also just had a thought. One of our neighbors, the one in the bottom unit, he moved in this oh, month yeah. and he's already leaving. Uh, and we the don't pad know was why. too much. And I'm like, oh my god, is this why you found my Kermit the Frog <laughs> pad? Hey man, he scares easy. You don't want him as a neighbor. <laughs> oh, oh man, <laughs> this reminds me of uh, my term abroad in Ireland. Um, I just kept having embarrassing things happen, mostly around the same pair of underwear. Um, what? You had a cursed pair of. I underwear? had a cursed pair of the underwear. Curse- the cursed knickers. <laughs> That's I less. Um, it was uh, like formerly my favorite pair of underwear, but I'd worn them so much that they were ratty as fuck. They were straight up period underwear. Like last give us day, a, give us a visual, Meg. Give us a visual. They were wine colored. Um, okay. The they were built. In there was a lace way. around the top, wasn't there? There was not. No, these were some okay. basic cotton panties. Um, okay. But I think I remember it's like the there was an elastic band sewed into it, you know? So so the frayed top was revealing the white elastic. Like it was that sure. cheap mm-hmm. pair of undies. But I like they, they just were so comfy. Um, and uh, also I'd had them for so long that, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I, we, I don't know if we've talked about this before. But you know how like after a long time you're like vaginal discharge can kind of bleach that little part of your undies so they'd been there done that (laughs) yes (laughs) definitely bleached um (laughs) and and then ratty like there were holes they were like fraying in many spots they were a sad pair of underwear that should have been thrown away by this point they were the ones that kept being left in the washer like I would get everything else out, but then that pair would be stuck. And so then twice I went to the laundromat to get my um, uh, dried clothes and there was my wet pair of undies just like resting on top. And I was like, this is humiliating. And then finally I got my shit together and stopped leaving those undies out. And then um, 
someone gave me a condom basically as a joke, but also I was like, hey, I don't know what's going to happen in Ireland. <laughs> and uh, I was waiting to get in line in front of like a very like proper boy I d- took class with and I pulled out my card to get into the library and the condom flew out and fell between us. <laughs> uh, who knows what people thought of me. And you still have that underwear to this day. And the condom. <laughs> <laughs> Hope to use it someday. Oh, Can't wait. <laughs> Here it's great. <laughs> Should we intro? Should we do a proper intro for Maggie? Maggie Takuda Hall is the author of Also an Octopus, The Mermaid, The Witch, and the Sea, uh, and Love in the Library is her latest release, and it's inspired by her grandparents' story um, of their experience in an incarceration camp. But it's a beautiful illustrated book, and uh, everyone should read it. And you should also read Squad, which we're going to talk about right now. Maggie Takuda Hall, thank you so much for joining us on Vicious Cycle. Thanks for having me. I love talking about periods. Yay. Yes. You you've you come may to the right podcast. You may have had the quickest period um reference in a book. I feel like it was like yeah. two. I was like, Thank damn, you. Yeah, okay. right off the top. Let's we're getting go. into it. So, you know, in past seasons we have episodes called Bleeding Rainbow where we all read a book and discuss it. And this is a very special episode for us because we have the author of the book we read together here to talk about it. What a privilege. What an honor. What do we, do we want to hit with the song? Does someone want to sing the Bleeding Rainbow song? Do, do you remember, remember it? it? It's been a while since we've had a Bleeding Rainbow. I think I, think I remember. Go ahead. Period then. in a book. I think I'll take a look. We have to bleed. We love to read. It's Bleeding Rainbow. Bleeding Rainbow. Bleeding Rainbow. Strong acapella skills. I'm <laughs> shook. Wow. Wow. That means a lot. Maggie's also the kindest person in the world. I don't know if we uh, started with that. <laughs> I believe we have a mutual friend in Molly Sanchez. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah, we do. She, Molly's she, great. She wrote that, but she came up with that like on the spot when she was on our pod. And this is our first did. Bleeding Rainbow yeah. without Molly, because usually yeah. we do the Bleeding Rainbow with Molly. So it's Molly, true. sorry. Sorry. We got the author. Molly kind of set this up. I think Molly's okay with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so back in October, Maggie, you mm-hmm. tweeted, just realized I'm going to release this werewolf book on my period. I think I'm going to ascend. So I just mm-hmm. wanted to follow up and say, did you? unfortunately no still living on the mortal plane still like dealing with all of my biology real disappointment all around Uh, but I did feel really powerful for that week so that was nice that's nice I felt so jazzed when I came upon that tweet I was like oh my god this is happening for someone somewhere (laughs) Megan just looked at the skies yeah how's it been since the book has been out you know like how what was the response what was how do you feel now that it's out in the world yeah I mean the response has been really kind I think you know when you're not like a super famous author mostly people only reach out to tell you nice things so as far as I know the response has been great (laughs) wait you're saying so you're saying that like if you were super famous people would be like I hate you it sucks yeah yeah that happens to famous authors all the time like they just open up their twitter and their mentions are full of people being like how could you do this you're mediocre you're terrible and you're canceled (laughs) and you're like oh but but I have to imagine that because you 
are someone that has a uterus and mm-hmm. I, I, like I'm sure if the book were bad if someone they would tell you it's the internet someone would tell you if they I hated mean, it I've gotten I've seen bad reviews that were like there's homosexuality in this book and oh. I was like yeah there is or like there's like a lot of violence and I was like yeah there is yeah, I don't werewolves. know what about girl teenage werewolves you picked up and were like <laughs> they kill people this is fucked up honestly I was so shocked I was like <laughs> wow we're yeah. going there I don't know what yeah. I was thinking I was like you I know. don't know what you were thinking either yeah. I mean I feel like werewolves that play like patty cake instead that of like, like eat the, the raccoons <laughs> I don't know I think I assumed it would be like a twilight twilight ruined too many people exactly yeah, that's exactly it I don't write fucking vegetarians yeah, I know. so <laughs> Uh, so as far as I know, the response has been good other than the, you know, the requisite people who are afraid of the misandry, homosexuality oh, yes. or the mm. uh, the violence. Uh, no one mad about the periods, which I was excited about. Very exciting. Uh, Progress. Yeah, so that's that's nice. And I had so much fun writing this book. Um, it's set where I went to high school and then my <gasps> high school invited me to come speak to their students and paid me. And I was like, oh, my God, reparation. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wait, is it That's amazing. crazy to ask you how much one gets paid to come and talk to a high school? No, it's I think more people should be transparent about this. Uh, yeah. I got paid five hundred dollars to yeah. come speak for Hell like yeah. an hour Hell at my yeah. old high school, which is like not enough money to like really change anyone's life. But no. it's like a nice like that's a yeah, good hourly nice rate high school. Like, why don't you go ahead and give me those five hundred dollars <laughs> from the Piedmont Unified School District? I feel like yeah. I've earned it. You definitely <laughs> did. Yeah. You? What did the students say about your book, or what kind of questions? You know, did they at ask? that point, they hadn't read it yet because it okay. had just come out. Like, it came out that week, and I went in and talked to Piedmont. So they were like, "Wait, Piedmont's in it?" And I was like, "Yeah." Like, there's a couple <laughs> scenes in the high school, and if you guys still have keggers in the graveyard, that's in there too. And the entire back row of the audience started cracking up, and I was like, well, guess that's still happening. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was like weird. Mostly they asked questions like, how do you become a writer? And like stuff like that. And then <laughs> afterward, Dumb I got kid. contacted by the Piedmont for Consent group, and that's been very cool. So I, I've met with them a few times. Um, they're like just this group of students who are trying really, really hard to address the rampant rape culture that's still very much alive in Piedmont. Wow. And I was on the one hand so proud that they exist and yeah. on the other hand so bummed that like yeah. 20 years after I graduated high school, they're still dealing with the same bullshit. Yeah. Uh, so I guess it's not 20 years. I graduated in 2003. It's almost 20 years. Anyway, oh, okay. I'm old. <laughs> no We're the same year. Hey. Yeah. Hey. We're all close. We're all close. <laughs> So it was it was interesting and cool, and it's been interesting keeping in contact with that particular group from Piedmont. That's They're the only really ones special. that were like interested. Yeah, That's I really wonder. Cool. So we will have in our episode, like leading up to this episode, we will have told all of our listeners, leading listeners, to read your book. But in mm-hmm. case some listener didn't do their homework. <laughs> um, slacked off As they want to do even though it's a very quick and very fun read I read it twice yes. um, can Aww. you give Maggie can you give peop, uh, our listeners like a quick rundown of what the book is what it's about 
Totally. So Squad is about Becca, a new girl at Piedmont High School who has never really fit in before in her life. And so she's extremely excited when she sort of immediately gets swept up by the most popular girls in school. There's just one catch that in order to be in their crew, she has to become a werewolf, which she does. And for a while, they kill the worst boys at parties that they can find. But of course, things get more complicated than that. Their rules get broken. And she accidentally kills one of the other girl's boyfriends, not even as a werewolf, just because he's a dick. And when that happens, <laughs> everything sort of starts falling apart. I don't really want to spoil the ending, but that's kind of the the general gist the of gist. the plot. And I mean, so you said it where you grew up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you talk about how rampant rape culture exists in the East Bay. I mean, it's I mean prevalent in the Bay Area, everywhere. this country, yeah. everywhere. <laughs> it's um, actually it's actually famously just to the East Bay. That's the only <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> SF doesn't have a problem. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, was that a, um, like what kind of came first with this book? Did you always know you wanted to set it here? Did you always know that would be the target of the werewolves or did you start with werewolves and it led you there? I'm kind of curious, what was the inspiration? Where did it all come from? Yeah, I mean, I had been trying to write about Piedmont since I left Piedmont. I left Mm. high school like really angry about a lot of the things that I had seen and experienced and was like, someday I'm going to tell everyone what it's like and every time yeah yeah and then every time I would sit down to write it it was just like so grim and angry that like I didn't even want to read it Mm. (laughs) like like it's my own we've been there Jesus this is boring uh and it wasn't until one day I was like oh my god what if they were werewolves and it was called bitches (laughs) which is not a title that stuck unfortunately it's great title (laughs) didn't make it all the way through um that was I was like finally bitches. able to. So good. <laughs> For some reason, I I let that one go. Uh, I told my agent I was thinking about that title, and she was like, "No, you're not. Uh, <laughs> you are absolutely not doing that." Yeah. Um. Yeah. So as as soon as I figured out, like, oh, girl werewolves, that like allowed me to have fun with it in the way that actually felt truer to the experience because I was angry at the time but I wasn't like so grim and so upset all the time that I like couldn't live I was definitely doing stupid teenager shit that was absurd and hilarious you were still doing peggers in the graveyard yeah yeah exactly like how seriously can you take yourself if you are still at an age where your pussy smells bad because you haven't figured out how to deal with it And you're going to keggers in a graveyard. Wait, like, wait, wait. Go back to that first thing you just said. <laughs> it really makes sense why you and Molly are friends. <laughs> like, sorry. You're like, okay, so I played softball all year round, like oh, very competitively. Maggie, 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 yeah, Maggie. Exactly. Fellow softball yeah. girl right here. Exactly. So you understand. Yeah. Like you have to wear those like compression yep. shorts over the shorts. You're sweating all day in them. And then you're like, that's weird. Uh, <laughs> time to go to a party. No time to shower. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, the like, graveyard is calling. This is how I live because I'm 17 and I'm fucking stupid. <laughs> and I liked that werewolf girls allowed me to take it to the camp place that I felt like actually honored how I felt as a teenager, which was like dangerous and sexy and exciting and fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Oh, and did you always yes. mean it to be a graphic novel or did that come because you're like, well, obviously this all equals As soon graphic. as werewolves, mm-hmm. I was like comic book. Mm-hmm. Like who wants to read yeah. a narrative werewolf 
book. Twilight. I guess people. I guess. I always feel like werewolves are so inherently goofy that yeah. there's something about them in prose that like is spe- it's like trying to write about a dick in prose. Yeah. Like there's only so many <laughs> euphemisms, only so many descriptions you can do before yeah. it just feels real silly. And I liked <laughs> with comic books that I could kind of still do it and still it would still be funny because werewolves are inherently funny but I wouldn't have to be coming up with a million like metaphors for for rending flesh transforming (laughs) or whatever like you can write that once in one story and it feels good and the rest of the times it's just you just feel silly (laughs) rended some more flesh yeah (laughs) yeah so what is it what does it look like to be the author of a comic book or graphic novel versus the illustrator like what does that collaboration look like yeah so it like depends on the route in publishing that you go like I know traditionally published comics authors and illustrators work together much more intimately um, and sometimes they come up with the ideas together and like and in fact the illustrator who worked on squad Lisa Sterl co like co-creates this great series called witch blood with her husband um, where they, they come up with all of it together and like do the whole thing. And that's very cool. That is very different than what we did mm. because um, I'm a traditionally published children's and young adult book author. And so I went that route. Mm. And so the script sold first to HarperCollins. And then um, my editor at HarperCollins, uh, Martha Mihalik, suggested Lisa's her number one pick for illustrator. And I was like, well, she is my number one pick too. And then we went out to her and gratefully she said yes. Um, And she came back and she had like a couple notes of like small things in the script where she was like, hey, like, what if we tweak this here or there? And I I liked all her suggestions, so we took them. But for the most part, by the time she got the script, it was done. And then she took it and ran with it and made it something bigger and more complete and more complicated. Mm -hmm. And so it is like, right, it you know, it's the same discipline as writing a novel, except for that then some other professional takes a hack at it and just makes it so much better, which is really cool. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. So did so you didn't write it in storyboard form. Like I'm just I'm, I kinda did. You kinda okay. So um I wrote it pretty loosely where I'd be like every once in a while I would suggest a panel break or something, mm. but for the most part it was just it read more like a script. I see. Like like a TV or movie script where it's like so and so looks at so and so she's making a face like what the fuck are you thinking and like then Lisa has to interpret oh, that so and draw that cool. as how she thinks. It's very cool and wow. um, I don't know that I would write another graphic novel script exactly the same way because you can't count on Lisa Sterl being your illustrator every single time. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, that was the way I wrote my first one. That's really cool. It's so seamless. Like it really feels so collaborative. It's kind oh, of good. wild to think that you both worked like at separate times, but it feels very, very cohesive. Okay, so for reference, is Ocean Beach the locale of the beach party? Or is it yes. Baker Beach? Ocean. Okay, cool. cool it's cool. Ocean Beach. Because that's where you can get away with burning couches. That is true. <laughs> All the Every single party that's in squad is a party that I had been to in high school. Oh, my God. That was Amazing. like the one little bit of like truth in it. <laughs> yeah. like I tried to make every single party setting a real party I'd been to so that I wasn't projecting weird adult ideas about what high school parties mm. are yes. onto 
teenagers. I didn't want to get the like euphoria read. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so like I have been to a party at Ocean Beach where people were burning couches. I have been to a warehouse party like where there were weird closets where people were fucking. (laughs) (laughs) I can't prove it. I just assume. Uh, And I, you know, what were, I can't remember. A party with the keg, you know, by the softball fields party in the woods. All of those parties I have been to. Dang, Maggie was a cool kid in high school. I really want to stop you right there and promise you that no. (laughs) Okay, I was not. not. I was not going to parties. It's just that Piedmont was that big of a party school. It was like you didn't even need to be that cool to be present at the parties. Like Mm. everyone knew where they were and what was going on. And so like I was designated driving for most of those Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Like I, I just, at least in my senior year, um, and so, no, I want to disavow you of any notion that I was cool in high school because that was... You take the word cool out of your mouth. <laughs> yeah. You wash that mouth out. Yeah. Not not what was happening. <laughs> so in squad, periods mm-hmm. come up right away. Mm-hmm. And like right away. Of, they meet like right away. There's a tampon yes. sharing situation. Immediately. Yes. Um, yes. But also there's... it. it lends itself so well to it because werewolves are a monthly thing related to the moon. Um, And Kate, I think you made this point here. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I was just like, uh, it's funny. It it wasn't until the second time I read it that I sort of was like, oh, werewolves once a month, like the doy moon. And then I bloody secret. (laughs) Right. And I started and I started Googling just like there, like someone must have written about the symbolism of like women werewolves before and I guess I don't I'm not a big movie like like campy movie watcher but apparently there's been like a lot of movies where or some movies where women turn into werewolves and it's very much like a period thing and I wondered if that to you was a, a, a thing like if that was a connection for you and also like in those books it always seems like it's sort of or movies it seems like it's like like it's clearly from the the male gaze of like these women can't control themselves once yeah, a month. But I felt like for you it was more about like taking back agency and being like, no, we're powerful on this time of the yeah. month, even if we're maybe later we can go crazy. But hmm, yeah, I'm a saddle. Yeah. <laughs> so I would love to hear um, your thoughts about that. Yeah, I have not actually ever seen a movie about women turning into werewolves at the full moon and around their periods. So it's nice to hear. I'm sure it, it exists. And all ideas exist. I don't think yeah. I'm inventing anything at any point in time. But um, I haven't seen those movies. I'm not surprised to hear that it feels really male gazy. Mm-hmm. For me, it is like a gross, bloody secret, but also this moment of power in our unity with one another. And mm-hmm. I liked that for the way that they bond. And that's why the whole story start. Like, she's pretty clear, like, this all started because of a tampon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so... I love tampons too as like the secret language that kicks off the story because women are fucking secret agents with our tampons and like we'll have like an entire purse full of them and you never know who your ally is going (laughs) to randomly be who like has one to bail you out. But it's like a thing where if you have one, you always give it away. Like nobody is stingy with their tampons. It's like such a weird uh, thing where we just like are immediately on the same team together. Mm -hmm. And I like leaders code. Yeah, it's like, you're not going to, what, you make me fucking air dry this shit? Like, (laughs) (laughs) help me out here. And of course you will. Of course you will. If you have the means, you will. Um, And so 
I don't know. I liked that that was the way that she has this entree with this group. It's not her being cool. It's not her being interesting even. It's just her doing sort of the bare minimum like female sol- or like uterus haver solidarity mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. It, it felt very playful and fun to me where it was like this is not about being gross so much as it is about just sort of like addressing normal girl shit. Yeah. yeah. And I like what you just said too about like the ritualist like it's it's a secret but yet it bonds people and it can be kind of yeah. like a ritual and I love that because I think that's kind of where we land as like a podcast is like we've sort of come to like it started out all of us being like oh my god we're going to talk about this thing we never talk about and now the three of yeah. us are like fuck yeah we bleed every month what of it you won't <laughs> like, believe the clot I just had yeah let me yeah. show you a picture of my light day um yeah so yeah that's really cool really happened yeah well, and it's so cool because, like, looking at um, your oeuvre, if I may be so bold, um, <laughs> you, <laughs> if I may be so French, <laughs> I may be so classy. Um, but, like, all of your books, uh, I mean, maybe, okay, so let's, let's go over it. You wrote a children's book about an imaginative octopus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you wrote a novel about a pirate adventure um mm-hmm. that featured a queer love story mm-hmm. is that yeah i'm mixing up things but that's a fact and then you just released another children's book that portrays a love story in the midst of a japanese internment camp and so i think it's just amazing that you write books geared towards younger audiences and you take the opportunity to like introduce real life shit to be like let's like talk about real things to young audiences so was there something in this I mean in like in this book you tackle rape culture like mm-hmm. you know you're not afraid to like bring it up to audiences is there something you were hoping your readers would take away after reading squad or was it no. more therapeutic therapeutic yeah, I was not interested in counseling teenagers on how to be at all and like none of yeah. these girls are role models like they're mm. they're bad people yeah. <laughs> they're they're fucking murderers to start yeah. but like you know like they're, they're they're bad people um I think that there is a freedom in imagining someone doing the ugliest shit you've imagined mm. I think that's a way you can honor someone's anger mm. I think that revenge fantasy holds a specific and important place and I'm not really interested in lecturing the recipients of rape culture and the victims of it and how to handle that with more grace I just Mm -hmm. want to acknowledge their anger and acknowledge the fact that like it would be kind of fun (laughs) like if if at the full moon you got your girls together found the worst dude you could (sighs) And ate him. <laughs> and, and the dude, the dudes that are named, what do you name them? Like Bert Kavanaugh or something? Like it's basically Brett Kavanaugh. You mean my extremely discreet names? Uh, wait, wait, wait name, what are the names again? His name is Bart O. Kavanaugh, which is the name from a memoir one of Brett Kavanaugh's uh, cohorts from boarding school, a, pseudo, or a fake name he used in his memoir. Oh my God. That, oh my God. The justice was very clear was not him. Oh my of course. God. Um, Bart O'Kavanaugh? I don't even have a Bart O'Kavanaugh, yeah. And so the 
you know, Justice Kavanaugh was very clear that that wasn't him and I believe him, but I do think it's a fun name. So I put it in there and killed him. Um, and killed him. <laughs> and then I killed him. <laughs> uh, yeah, my names are so discreet. The, um, the last boy that they kill uh, is obviously like a Brock Turner reference mm. the situation that they're in there yeah. Stanford uh, I do think one of the only things that HarperCollins changed for the sake of like let's not get sued was taking the Stanford swim sweatshirt off of him that I had wrote into the script interesting oh. um, again not super interested in subtlety <laughs> just interested <laughs> in exercising my anger and honoring other people's yeah. anger because uh, we all have to live with this shit Mm. And I do think that fiction does not always need to be instructive. And I think that that's particularly true for teenagers. Mm. I think that that holds them to a ridiculously unfair Mm. and inhuman standard of like, Mm. you're not, if you're going to be mad, you have to deal with it this way. And things might not be fair, but you always have to take the high road. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's fine. There's a place for that kind of moralistic fiction. There's a place for that kind of mentoring um, I'm not equipped to give it, but I don't think that that means I should be kept away from teenagers. I think that yeah, that just right. means there's something about commiseration that is also valuable where it's like, yeah, I hear you. I see you. It fucking sucks. It's unfair and it's stupid. We should be allowed to be just as angry and ugly about it as we want. We can't. But isn't it nice that this book exists mm. so that we can at least pretend for like the 20 minutes it takes to read it that like that's how it could be? <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. I think that's why YA books are my favorite is because a lot, the good ones I think are complicated, like Squad, like you're on board and then it takes a turn and then it takes another turn Mm. and you're like, huh, where do I land? Like, yeah, who are the heroes? Who are the villains? I'm not so sure. Um, And when it comes to teenagers, there typically aren't many. (laughs) We're all monsters. Yeah. Our pussies smell and we're monsters. <laughs> yes. We can pretend like that wasn't true. But, <laughs> but it was true. <laughs> Our pussies all that we were fucking monsters. I mean, I think maybe there's a future book where it's a softball team and there's. <laughs> I'm fine with If I ever out. write a softball book, you can bet your sweet ass that there will be at least one stinky pussy joke yes. in it. <laughs> You mentioned in your book, um, or you just mentioned that uh, the girls are not role models. And mm-hmm. I, I read you in an interview you gave with a, a website or a blog, um, a publication, that this also is a little bit of a critique of white feminism. And I mm-hmm. think specifically with the character of Amanda, who's black, who keeps mm-hmm. telling her friends, like, I go by Amanda. They're like, yeah, 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 Mandy, Mandy, Mandy. Um, yeah, the constant microaggressions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would love for you to elaborate on that. Like, why, like... Yeah, like throwing that in there and and yeah. Yeah. I think it would have been really easy for Squad to be like a super fun like girl boss mm-hmm. book. And I was like, how do I keep that from happening? <laughs> uh, yes. And part of yes, it was like queens. they're not. Yeah, like I wasn't interested in any of that. And so um, partly for that reason and also because I live in a world that is racist and so it's impossible for me to imagine writing a story that even partially exists in our world that 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 doesn't have that 
in some aspect, especially in a place like Piedmont, which is so deeply racist. Mm. Um, and so Amanda is the character who the entire plot hinges on. Um, but she suffers microaggressions constantly throughout the story. And she tries. She's like the only one of them who seems to have a consistent moral center. Yeah. She's the only one who sort of like is like, ah, you know, this is not what we do. Like, this is against our rules. And Ariana, who's this uh, rich white girl, constantly ignores her, constantly belittles her. And is also the kind of person who's really comfortable leveraging her tears for power. Mm. And I was like, mm. okay, so there she is. There's my little white feminist in mm -hmm. charge. Yeah. <laughs> um, white just tears girl bossing check. and gatekeeping and gaslighting people all the way till she gets murdered. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I think like instinctively I knew that something like that had to be in there because I don't think that we can talk about feminism without addressing the elephant in the room of white feminism and this like mm. extremely the way that white feminists have monopolized the movement at like literally every turn mm. and so um you know it was impossible to both write a story that took place in piedmont and like completely eradicate whiteness at the same time so, like, one of the things I did in The Mermaid, the Witch, and the Sea, which is the fantasy novel I wrote, was um, the word white is never used to describe a character. If they're white, they're described as pink. They are not the main group of people in, in the story. And there were, like, real choices I made to sort of get around the way that a modern readership reads whiteness. I was like, I'm just, I'm not going to play this game with you. But unfortunately, because Squad is set in our real world, in a real place, uh, which I thought was an important choice, where it was like, everything about this story is real except for the werewolves, basically. Mm. Um, I couldn't avoid it. Like, I, I just couldn't write this story without addressing race. And while Becca also suffers microaggressions and some racist statements made toward her most of which were real things that people have said to me God. Um, like you should date I, the other asian guy in school or whatever that happened to me the minute i moved to piedmont Jesus um Christ. wow to the it was like three of the most popular girls pulled me aside and they're like you're really pretty and i was like oh my god thank you and they're like here are the boys you should date sean tashima mccormick on tang or evan brizendine whose name you can't tell but he was also half asian and so <laughs> No, that's it end of list that's those are it. the boys you're allowed to date period and I was like wow Ugh. um anyway so like on the one hand it would have been really easy to just center the racism that I experienced but I also knew that there were black kids who came through Piedmont and it fucking sucked mm -hmm. and their experience was more brutal than what I had gone through mm -hmm. and so I don't know I brought that to writing Amanda where I was like she's not the main character because that's not my main character to write at least for this first version of this story I was coming from such a personal place but she had to be there to acknowledge the real things that I witnessed and the way that racism functioned within rape culture within this world yeah what was that like to go back to your high school and kind of have these very honest conversations like I'm I don't know. I I can hope that your high school is better off now, but like, mm, no, probably mm. not. <laughs> I mean, they paid me to be there, which is shocking. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but like, did kids really resonate with this story? Were they like, yep, still happens. You could find every single queer girl in the audience. Mm -hmm. I could. 
because they were all the ones who were getting like really excited about oh that's so cute <laughs> and then like everyone else you know had the look that a high schooler will have when they're in a forced assembly yeah totally um <laughs> and so you know um i don't have any ridiculous or like false notions of grandeur of what my effect in the community of piedmont is going to be my hope with anything that i ever write is just like that the few kids who really need it will find yeah. it and like i don't know i, I think because storytellers tend to get pretty up their own asses about like oh, i'm changing the world and i'm like i don't know i think i might be helping like three to seven girls <laughs> feel slightly better <laughs> or like feel world. like it's fair to be mad, you know? Like, I've gotten mm -hmm. a couple, and I don't want to say anything too specific because it was, like, clearly in confidence, but, like, I've gotten a couple emails from people through my website where it's, like, clear that Squad gave them, it was the first time someone had ever looked at them and been like, yeah, that's fucked up. And so for the first time, they were letting themselves be mad about something mm -hmm. and talk about it. And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. Like, that's great. I've gotten, like, two of those. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so like, you know, I, I am reasonable. Like, I feel like it's it's a small group of people, but that's what my goals are. It's just like, yeah, just some people feel a little maybe less alone or maybe like they're allowed to be angry. I love that. I love this theme of like, it's OK to be angry and let's yeah. just like uh, let's just sit and let's stew in that. Yeah. Yeah. We're always rushed out of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's like, yeah. okay, but then move on. I'm like, I don't know. I'm still mad. Yeah. This happened to me yeah. 20 years ago and I'm still fucking mad about it. Yeah. <laughs> and female right. anger is so taboo in a lot of ways. Like it's so demonized and it's just like, yeah. why can't we be fucking angry? Like just watching the Supreme Court, you know, not uh, speaking of Bart O. Kavanaugh. Um, his, the way that Justice Kavanaugh was very clear that that was not him. Just right, of obviously, and we agree and respect that. <laughs> obviously, but like the Bardo Kavanaugh able... is the stupidest fucking name. Ever. I know it's almost as bad as Brett Kavanaugh. It's so um, but the way that he was allowed and like entitled to be so angry and Katanji, yeah. mm -hmm. am I saying her name right? I haven't Kitanji? actually been listening. Katanji Brown. Um, has just not been able to like all all the memes I've seen of her. I just heard like just like I'm taking this yeah. in because I'm a black woman. I mean, woman. I do wonder if that's more about her blackness than her gender. Like, oh, absolutely, it's white women are allowed it's to be angry in a way that black women are never allowed to be. Made. Absolutely, yeah. because of her race, women anger and especially women of color anger. Um, it's just not allowed. So I love no. that this book just allows young women and and people with uteruses to just be like fuck this noise yes yes i also appreciate that you um well you have a queer representation which is very exciting you also like just throw in like a non-binary teacher which is so cool oh, you're just love like that. and i love that teacher it was really cool and there were like mm -hmm. it was not like a big grandeur it was just like this is a teacher who goes by mix yeah johnson or whatever um which was very cool and then, honestly, the queer storyline was, like, so exciting. And <laughs> I, <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe I was naive going into the story. I'm like, it's going to be about straight girls and they eat raccoons. They don't eat men. <laughs> <laughs> raccoons. And boy, was I wrong at every turn. But it was great. <laughs> it was great that I was wrong at every turn. Um, I guess, like, uh, 
what inspired you to to yeah to write a queer love story yeah i think everything i write for teens will have queerness in it um I think that there have been so many heterosexual stories told at this point. I'm not really sure what I have to add to the canon. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. what really do I have to say about heterosexuality that has not been said? Probably nothing. I think um, I, th- I think I'm just not interested in telling those stories. And um, it took me a really long time to realize I was bi. Like, I realized it in my late 20s, uh, despite mm. having hooked up with girls a lot before that. <laughs> <laughs> like, just like every time it would happen, I'd be like, that's so weird. I'm so random. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think in large part, that was because of a lack of stories like I just didn't know any queer stories the only like queer character I could even really think of who was a lesbian when I was growing up was Xena who I loved with an intensity that should have been a sign (laughs) Um, but like and she was queer coded like it wasn't is the subtext right like we all knew it but like it was the subtext and I don't know I just feel like with my own career if there is anything that I want to participate in, it's the decentering of whiteness and it's the decentering of heteronormativity. I don't mm-hmm. think that those things are helpful anymore. I think that they have done a lot, uh, like to do me personally harm mm-hmm. and like my sense of self and my ability to understand the world and to understand my place within it. I think that the fact that those were the kinds of stories that I grew up with are a contributing factor for the reasons why. I was really unhappy as a teenager and I just, you know, again, like stories can only do so much and I'm not saying like, I'm going to change the world. But like, I think that refusing to participate in traditions that you know were harmful to you is like a very small gesture you can make towards young people. And it's one that I'm interested in doing. Honestly, it's a huge gesture. It does not take that much work. Yeah. That's the thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there are like a hero many. maggie you're a hero i don't know maggie <laughs> like my carbon footprint is big but i will <laughs> i'll write my little queer stories because you know i also feel like i would have been able to avoid a lot of the most detrimental rape culture experiences that i had if I had just realized that men were not the only avenue mm. for sexual fulfillment yeah. available to me. Oh my God. Um, yeah. And if I had not considered their attention so important because of yeah. heteronormative pressure, um, I would not have been in a lot of the situations I was in that ended up being so violent. And so mm. it felt particularly important in a story about rape culture to offer. Not that rape culture does not exist within queer culture. That's like a very naive thing to believe or say. But just that there are other options for the way that romance and sex can unfold was important to me. And it felt particularly important in a story that is about like the way that shitty men make teenage girls feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think the book is very universal. I think a lot of kids would deeply enjoy it and benefit from it i hope so are there gonna be sequels i don't know i've been kicking around a sequel idea um and it just like hasn't taken off yet um 
my writing's habits are really unhealthy. <laughs> uh, I don't have like good discipline. Um, Who does? Is, like I'll kick around an idea for like years and then one day it'll click and I'll sit down and I'll write all of it in like two weeks. Wow. That's like, awesome. That's like how I wrote Squad. It's like that ideal. I had had it for two, three years before I sat down and wrote it because it was wow. like something needed to click mm-hmm. before I was like, ah, I got it. I know exactly what I'm doing here. Nice. Yeah. I, that's um, super relatable. I, I mean, maybe it yeah. is unhealthy because that's how I also function, but um, <laughs> it's very relatable. People like to think writers just like write at a seaside villa from nine to five or something. (laughs) And that's just not. I mean, I don't know. I did go on a retreat this year where I literally wrote at a seaside. Okay. Wow, Maggie. But like seaside (laughs) vacation house with a bunch of other writers. Wow. It was extremely great and I got nothing done. All I did was talk shit with other writers. That sounds fucking fun. Um, it was not a villa, but uh, <laughs> it was a cabana. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> it was a hacienda. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um. So tell us a little bit about this. Like, y- the story is being picked up, perhaps for yeah. the screen optioned for by Lionsgate. Yeah, you guys know as much as I do at this point. Cool. So I don't cool I'm, talk. Yeah. <laughs> so television. I, I mean, it got optioned for TV. Fingers crossed that it happens at some point. Um, they have to give me money either way, so like, Hell yeah. it works out great for me. Um, yeah, that's yeah. so exciting. It's very yeah. Cool. It was, okay, it if was you, very exciting. When okay, it right now, if you had to cast <gasps> the four people, or just oh, at least no at idea. least maybe um, the character of Becca. Becca's the main character, right? Yeah, I don't know teen actors well enough because you'd have to cast like real teenagers. But cast okay, right? cast it in the or in at the least teens. up to twenty seven years old. Yeah, cast cast them in the teens of our youth then. Like oh okay okay like Christina well, no Ricci Asian. or someone. I don't know. Like, there were no yeah. Asian teenagers who were famous uh, in our age, but yeah. uh, famously no Asian teenagers twenty years. Whoever ago. played Christy on Babysitters Club, the TV show <gasps> original. Oh. Yes, the only Asian rep we ever got. You mean Claudia? She was. Sorry, I was yes. Claudia. Claudia. Okay, it was Claudia. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Yes, 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 yes. No, I, Claudia. I love Claudia. Yes. I was like, was Christy um, also Asian? That's amazing. Claudia was no, like yeah. the artsy no, one that had dyslexia. Yeah. She was like, yeah. She was really she was fucking cool. cool. Uh, um, yeah. So it would have to be her because she was the only, the sure. only Asian. So if we may pry, tell us about your period journey or your menstrual journey TM. Um yeah. What was your first period like? What's your period like now? Tell us about it. Uh, my first period was like the shining elevator. Oh, no. Um, wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm just so like, sorry. What happened? A massacre. <laughs> I am 12. First I'm time. so confused. Oh. And like I remember my stomach had been hurting all day and I was like, I just kept going to the bathroom because I thought I had diarrhea. Like it was like yeah. that feeling. That was the only other thing I could think that it could be. Yeah, and I was like, I just like don't need to poop. I don't know what's wrong. And then one time I went to the bathroom and I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> and Did after like know? a moment of like, yeah, because my mom was not like Carrie's mother, you know, like okay, yeah. <laughs> she had like warned me this was coming, but it still takes mm-hmm. like a takes some buffering where you're like, there's yeah. like because it doesn't even just look like blood. It's like gross 
thick. It's like gore. Yeah. Viscous. Yeah. yeah like yes. you're like, you've never seen a blood clot before. You're 12 years old. Like, mm, what? So anyway, there was like a minute of like, what happened? What's in the toilet? And I remember it being like, have you eaten like a lot of beets ever? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, is that what happened? And I was like, but it wouldn't be like that. <laughs> also, 12-year-old eating uh, beets? Good for you. Yeah. Way to know My mom that. had a really great garden. So she would grow uh, beets and I would just like gorge myself <laughs> and then be like, ah, my poop's purple. But... <laughs> Isn't being a period um, school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then my periods have been misery ever since. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, so I had sorry. undiagnosed endometriosis oh, until no. uh, so have, but now it's diagnosed. Um, and I for like a full at least six years of going to different OBGYNs being like, I think I need to be tested for endometriosis. And they're like, I don't think you do. Are you kidding? Do you have excruciating Ugh. pain at your period? And I'd be like, well, excruciating. Like, hmm. sometimes I can't walk. And they were like, you'd sometimes. know if it was excruciating. And I was like, okay. Um, <sighs> and then finally, just because I was doing IVF, uh, had to get more tests done and stuff. And they were like, you have endometriosis and I literally screamed into the zoom I fucking knew it and my daughter was like uh, the problem's not with me yeah yeah she was like I'm the one who tested you please don't yell at me Uh, but I had told her like I because she was like do you think you could and I was like yeah I've been telling every doctor that I think I have this this is the only time I've ever like really tried to tell a doctor like I really think I have this and every time they'd be like WebMD settle down yeah, uh, yeah. And of course I actually have it so fuck all of them um, my periods Ugh. are miserable I get really bad cramps I get really bad mood swings um, but at least now I'm really good at knowing when I'm PMSing I'm like a fucking ninja with that shit do you ever do the thing where you get mad and you're like am I mad for the right reason and then you just mm. squeeze a titty <laughs> <laughs> and the answer is always that's how yes. I know <laughs> yeah if I have to squeeze the answer is almost always yes wow. yeah because then it hurts and you're like yep that's what it is I, I wrote a whole ode to my sore boobs in song um because I I don't my anymore since, since I've well I'm off I'm on back on birth control but since I had a baby I haven't had the sore boobs but without fail off birth control man my boobs got so sore so I I feel that yeah. um what you just said about We've heard that so much about doctors yeah, not, course. you know, that's that's the tale as old as time. And I yeah. think <laughs> your next graphic novel should be people turn into werewolves and kill doctors that don't diagnose <laughs> them. I mean, honestly, that's so personal. That's like in my diary. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not werewolves. Maybe this time, maybe this time it's, I don't know, like vampires, assassins. assassins like, I fully, like, I have literally lost a friend because of this i think like the um not endometriosis um but not taking women's pain seriously yeah. she, went to a doc- she went to different doctors Awful. for two years being like i have this really bad pain and they were always like it's anxiety no. you're a lady with a high pressure business lady job like your body <laughs> just like can't handle it and it by the time a doctor finally gave her the test she needed it, it was stage four cancer and she died within like six months that's and so, Awful. like, it is never a surprise to me to Jesus hear Christ. these kinds of stories. And I remember the day of her funeral, I went to Target to, like, pick up frames uh, to, like, put her pictures up around her funeral. And the lady checking me out was like, oh, are you doing some decorating? And I was like, no, actually, I'm going to a funeral. And I told her what happened because I was pretty pissed off. And she's like, 
That's exactly what happened to my mother. Shut up, dude. No, I'm not. And I just remember being like, okay, fuck everyone. Yeah, fuck (laughs) everyone. And then you were like, we should start a coven. Mm -hmm. I have this necklace that I'm going to give you. Me and Um, them. Squad's actually dedicated to my friend who I lost that way because it just, um, she was my boss when I worked at Apple and like absolutely my like role model for how to be a feminist in male dominated spaces. We talked about it constantly. She was so powerful and, um, and she read a really early version of Squad and Mm. got like a really big kick out of it. What was her name? Barbara Lilly. So she's the BL that it's dedicated to. Um, Yeah, my favorite Barb story. Sorry, this is not to do with periods. It's just a great story. Let's hear it. We used to have all these meetings in Midtown to like go meet with all these different publishers, et cetera. And of course, it's like dudes in suits. And (laughs) she was like, have you ever noticed how they like always expect you to get out of the way? And I was like, yeah, totally. So we did an experiment where we just refused. Like we just walked (gasps) straight lines and we got so beat up. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was great. And I remember being like, oh, I'll never do that again. And she just decided that that's how she lived after that. Wow. <laughs> and so she was walking against a Giants game, uh, like foot traffic, just doing that. <laughs> 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 and I think that was the time where she was like, maybe I don't want to do this all the time. <laughs> but <laughs> but she was like 5'2 or something. And so I just love, like when I think of her, I picture her like, shoulder punching her way through traffic. that's yeah. incredible at five two like through all the giants game shit uh so that was barbara lily she was great she thought it was very funny that i said that uh straight white boys had always been a national priority so mm. that line stayed in Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's amazing also that's like one of my pet peeves like bad walkers in general like like uh not considerate wa- inconsiderate walkers but especially men walking right at you and you're like Mm-mm. i'm i'm on I'm the side here. yeah i'm doing the right thing and you're you want me to what step off the sidewalk oh yeah Mm-mm. i'm gonna shoulder check them next time no no or offense to, to you three wonderful ladies who i'm sure do not do this uh but white women do this too like if mm. they're on a street Good and they're to walking know. toward me they will always expect me to move out of the way wow uh, especially women of a certain oh. age yeah so it's like Good it's very some of its gender some of its race yeah. it's always complicated yeah. um barbara was a woman of color as well and so <laughs> anyway it's a fun experiment and i do recommend that you do it in a like dependably male dominated space and just Damn. get the shit kicked out of you because you'll <laughs> never feel better like there's something sort of like yeah, I fucking knew it. Were you feel kind yeah. of gratified by it? Maggie, anyway. you mentioned that your mom was chill about periods. I think mm-hmm. you said hashtag not Carrie's mom, um, yeah. <laughs> which I guess just means like she wasn't horrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what was your what was your education around periods like growing up? Oh, I mean, I just remember it did the trick. Like she was, I knew about periods long before I ever had one. Nice. When I got one, she was like, all right, it's menstrual pad time. And I was like, (laughs) gross. Um, (laughs) I think the only decision I would make as a parent that she did not make was she like wouldn't let me use tampons until I was in high school. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think tampons are just more practical. So if I were ever to have a uterus haver and they wanted to use tampons, I would just let them. And with the warning that you can't have them in for too long. Um, 
and be done with it because I think there's like some weird like can't put things in your vagina yeah it's like I don't know there's a lot of stuff coming out of your vagina (laughs) it seems like plugging it up is a great solution (laughs) instead of just hoping that this like napkin catches all of it on its way yeah. out <laughs> well it's got the wings so oh god should just catch it wings. all i bled through so many fucking pads anyway did the endometriosis <laughs> make your periods heavier too no they just make them worse yeah. it makes them painful yeah, yeah. Ugh, I'm, I'm sorry, so sorry you're still dealing with that yeah. i mean now i know how to deal with it at least yeah. how, how do you deal with it heating pads titty squeezes Mm-hmm. You know, like just if I know it's Embracing happening, the PMS. It's, yeah, like if I know it's happening, it's really easy to deal with. It's when mm-hmm. it like blindsides me and I'm like angry, crying about something. And then I realize 10 minutes later that like, I don't actually feel that strongly about this thing. <laughs> and then you like, double like down always, and you're like, yeah, you know what? I am pissed that that Dunkin Donuts shut down. It was can't, important to this community. Like, can't back down doing? now. So, <laughs> you know, so I, I think that self-awareness did a lot to just like make it better. And also I have a husband who's like not squeamish or shitty about periods. Nice. Like I just tell him what's going on and like, I don't want to deal with this today. I am having a really bad period. And so I'm not doing X, Y, or Z. And he's just like, okay. So... <laughs> Like, you know, I I chose well for a partner (laughs) so that I don't have to be, like, weird about her. I can be like, I need you to go get my tampons. (laughs) And he's not like, (laughs) oh, gross. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I kind of feel like if you're going to be with a person who doesn't have periods and they won't fuck you while you're on your period, maybe you made the right, the wrong choice. You know what I mean? Like, it's a red flag. Right? It's It's like, this is just part of your life for five days, four to five days a month yeah this is bodies like yeah this so is like, what are we doing thing. here so i don't know like being with somebody who doesn't have any stigma around it allows me to just live my life and like not feel gross about it and yeah. be like yeah i got period toots leave me alone um <laughs> and also like little check-ins i can do with myself and better self-care regimen with like it's period time that means it's like bath o'clock no one gets to talk to me for a while (laughs) bath o'clock for four days straight yeah (laughs) yeah so those are the things that help that's awesome so now that we know a little bit about your period can we ask Mm. you our crazy questions oh no i'm very excited yes okay yes maggie if your period Mm -hmm. were a reality star Mm -hmm. who would your period be Okay, Giannini, Giannina from season one of Love is Blind. Oh. She is the one who turned to her potential fiance and said, have you ever noticed that you say that this is the best sex of your life and I never say it back? <laughs> <laughs> she was the bananas. Yes. She was bananas, confrontational, unnecessarily angry at different points. Uh, And I love her and I have to appreciate her for who she is. I think she's the kind of harsh where it's like, yeah, but you know, you can't fault a bitch for not being honest. Uh, (laughs) She really put it all out there. Yeah, she really, really put it all there. And she was a fucking mess. And so that's who I... What was her name again? Giannina. That's a great name for a like a period too. I don't know I why. Know. It just it just reads because it's fussy. Yeah, Giannina. 
I love that. Oh, Good answer. Love it. All right. Next question. Maggie, um, what's your period wearing? Nothing. My period is naked on the street just through a flaming trash can through a CVS glass window <laughs> and is screaming at everyone. <laughs> I'm wow. glad we found out you had endometriosis before these questions because we would have yeah. been diagnosing you now with it. Yeah. yeah. Been like endometriosis. It's We're endometriosis. We're going to pause. <laughs> Maggie, you need to go take a quiz because I'm pretty sure this is fucking bad. Yeah. Yes. That's so fucking funny. Yes. Maggie we should have. We should do that. On the we should have people answer these questions before they tell us about their period, and we'll be like, "It feels like you just take a guess." Yeah, yeah, it feels like you are dealing with. Um, anyway, I was gonna say what's. I just lost the word for endometriosis. No, I just uh, yeah, but um, PCOS. What? No, what? Menager- I'm just the worst. The thing that and- Andrea had, Andrea Coleman. Oh, fibroids. Fibroids. Oh my god. Yeah. Anyway, so brain broken. We'll fix that in post, Kate. Don't worry. Fix it in post. (laughs) Fibroids. Um, We should actually, because we could probably diagnose people. (laughs) We do. Yeah, we do have our doctorate from Holiday Inn University. So. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Mine's from La Quinta Inn. Oh, I'm so sorry. You're right. (laughs) Of course. Of course. Um, Maggie, if your period was a painting, what would be the title? Oh, I read this question wrong. I read it as like, which painting would it be? Oh, that's oh you can do that too. too. That's fine too. And I was like, any Jackson Pollock. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> you don't even yes. need to try with that. You just need to squat and then you got one. Yes. And I'm mm. just saying. Was Jackson Pollock inspired by menstrual blood? I have to assume so. Maybe he or invented the menstrual cup and I don't. You know, we're going to do some digging on this. Yeah. That's stupid. I don't know anything about Jackson Pollock. He maybe is a huge misogynist, but it's a good guess, Maggie. It's a good guess. I be- sure. <laughs> I believe era, he'd be down guess. for some period sex, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. You can't paint like that and be like, ooh, but you're on your period. I know, right? Yeah. Like, you right. can't come exactly. in with your splattered ass paint overalls. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, oh, you're disgusting. We need to write this <laughs> sketch. Dirty. We need to write this comedy sketch. Be like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm in Jackson Pollock's apartment. Um, I am. <laughs> we're about to get down and dirty. I am on my period. And then he's like, but don't worry, in he paint. laid a canvas down. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, you need to leave. It's too messy. <laughs> and then he and then he secretly takes the canvas and sells it for yeah. $20, yeah, exactly. $20, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I'm into man. this. I'm into this. Maggie, you're mm-hmm. a damn delight. This was Thank you for having lovely. me today. Before uh we let you go, um, would you like to plug anything? I know you have a new book out. Uh, you also have a podcast. Yeah, I have a podcast called Failure to Adapt. It's about um, book to, te- to film adaptations that I host with Red Scott, on which Molly Sanchez has been a guest a couple of <gasps> nice. times. Uh, her episode of Ever After in Cinderella <gasps> should be coming up soon. Oh. And I did not know this about Molly, but she's a fucking Cinderella scholar. That is not a joke. I, that, she really that does is. not surprise me. Molly <laughs> is like the smartest person when it comes to that kind of, oh my God, that's amazing. Sure. Uh, to listen to that. I love Ever so, After. I'm definitely listening yeah. to this episode. Yeah, we're all of the right age where you're like, ever after, mm-hmm. it defined what I think romance is. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so failure to adapt. Um, we recently had Chris Sarandon, who played Prince Humperdinck, on yes. um, to talk about the Princess Bride with us. We had Amy wow. Schneider, the 40-time Jeopardy champion, to talk Hunger Games with us. It's been so much fun. We are covering the entire Twilight series with author wow. Sarah Gailey. Wow. It's been a delight. Um, I hope you check it out. And then I'm if subscribing you are- right now. Oh, good. Um, if you are of the picture book buying cohort or if you're a teacher or an educator um i have a book out right now called love in the library that is the true story of my maternal grandparents who met in a japanese incarceration camp uh my grandmother was the camp librarian and my grandfather would come in every single day and check out a billion books he had no intention of reading because he didn't really read just so that he could flirt with my grandmother um anyway so that's called love in the library it's illustrated by the incredible yaz imamura and then i think yeah, my next new book doesn't come out till next year, so it's not really worth talking about now. <laughs> we got another one in the You're works. You're just churning them yes. out. I mean, it fe- it seems that way, but I promise you I'm not terribly productive. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time and for writing a book um, about the very real monthly beasts we become. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me on. Thank it's always you, fun Maggie. to get to to chat i really appreciate it it was super fun hopefully we can see you like irl sometime in the bay yeah yeah hopefully in um, a graveyard in a graveyard at a kegger it's so cool to hear from an actual author and hear how brains work in smart people agreed yeah i, I miss talking about books with people like yes. you know like i was in a book club for a hot second after college and then like you know, it's just nice to be, to like swill your wine and like talk literature. Mm. I agree. Kate, <laughs> you used to swill your wine and talk literature. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, pre- I pretend. What do I, I'm drinking like Pacifico. Who am I joking? <laughs> wow. Um, but thank you, Maggie, for being on our show. Yes. Uh, everyone should go read Squad and all of her other books. I really want to read Love in the Library yeah. about her Japanese grandparents. That sounds yes. amazing. Amazing. Read my labias. Read my labias. Read my labias. Read my labias. Labias. Here is my vintage read my labias. I'm pretty sure his name was Niles or Niall. <laughs> Anyways, we Go sat on. next to each other in fourth grade or fifth grade. Oh, Maybe it was okay. even we're going back. third Only grade. Back. Either way, our desks were next to each other. It's the last day of school. We have to separate our desks and like line them up against the wall. So everything's like put away. Uh, it's exciting. It's almost summer. Like freedom is so close. You can taste and it. I can taste it. I'm almost going to. The gonna... air tastes different. It does. It really yeah. does. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, there's hope. There's optimism. We pull our yeah, desks apart. And my desk has like some some marks on the side, and uh, Niall is like, "Ew, Meg picks her nose and wipes boogers <laughs> on the That's side of her desk." <laughs> yeah, and he just—they do it- look like boogers, though. I know exactly what you're talking about. They do look like boogers, and and he says it's what? so Looks loud. Like boogers, just just desk business. I mean, you well. Bullshit. Here's okay. So one, he says it for the whole class, for the oh, no, whole class. No, he's in the class. wrong. 
and I yeah. and I'm just sitting there like, oh my god. Now I'm gonna level with you. Some of them were boogers. But no, Meg, Meg, Meg. I didn't know that we Meg. were gonna separate our desks. Also, I'm in third grade or something. Um, but not all of them. It the side of the desk looked weird, and then at least three were yours truly. Ew, ew. <laughs> but um, it was more like you know, you know. It's like here's the thing. No matter my crime, the the Meg is now trying to speak her way from off of like the punishment didn't fit the crime. Like like this is the fucking Salem witch trials. She's like, might I give my word before I I float? Um, they weren't all my boogers. I've never seen this desk before in my life. Um, anywho, but public shaming by a boy to the whole like he wanted to bring he wanted people to come look, and I was just like, Ew. "This is Mm-mm. cruelty." So, wow. so, so, so did that you're spark- just mad you got caught. Read my labias. I got caught. I'm I'm mad that that it looked like I committed a worse crime than I did, and okay. and that. I mean, there's getting caught. He could have just quietly been to me like, do you pick your nose and stick mm, boogers here? Meg. But instead, do you agree with a little boy yelling to the whole class? No. I mean, I'm Thanks, a little Meg. bit on Team Nile. <laughs> wow. 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 A little bit. A little bit. I mean, look, At I was in a class. I was in a class that called one kid pick and save because he would. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I am part of the problem. <laughs> wow. I mean, I just think he was trying to cover his ass because he was like, this could have been either of our desks. So I want the world to know I'm <laughs> taking wasn't my claim. That's how Kate plays the game. If we're ever on Survivor, <laughs> Kate's there to win. Wasn't me. Wasn't me. Wasn't me. Wasn't me. <laughs> hmm. That's a good. Okay. Public shaming as a read mm. my labia is a really oh, good God. vintage You would prompt. think I'd have one million. <laughs> <laughs> Did I ever tell you about, I may have brought this up before, but it came up at our getaway the other weekend um, that someone once, we, I was wearing flip-flops on a school oh, yeah. outing and she was like, this. okay, yeah, she was like, about it. she was like, oh my God, you shave your toes <gasps> in front of like a lot of people. And I was like, no, but like, obviously I do mm-hmm. because I'm a very hairy person. Because I'm but it was, Irish. Yeah, because I am famously yeah, hairy. Got more people. Italian in me than I thought. <laughs> yeah. So uh, screw you. You know who you are uh, for public shaming me in front of our friends. We were all like seniors in high school. Like we're just Ugh. trying to like graduate. Why do you have to Freedom do that? is so. Again, this is right before you're about to be free. Too. There's parallels. Yeah. There too. Right about to be free. Right Ugh. about to be free. Wow. I mean, I told you guys about when I got in trouble for speaking in church, right? I don't know. I don't know. Tell it. Tell it. It was second grade. Oh. Um, I was sitting, I think, in front of my bestie, Casey. And she was probably sitting next to like, a cute boy that I also wanted to talk to. So I can't remember if they were the ones turning around or if I was. But anyways... 
I was chatty. I was chatty during mass. I was chatty Ch- during school mass because as a school, as a Catholic school, you all go together. And what I didn't realize is I was in perfect eyesight of our principal. Ugh. So after mass, we all go back to school or classes and the principal comes in. It's second grade. Also, my second grade teacher, she used to throw your work away if your name wasn't on it. If you tried to turn in your paper, she'd be like, huh, no name. And we'll just throw it away right in front of you. Oh, she taught seven year olds. Okay, so I'm just painting a picture here. Sure, sure. Not only. (laughs) So the principal comes in and she's like, I just wanted you all to know that I was very disappointed that a little girl and then proceeds to stare directly at me uh, was talking during mass. Oh my God. And we all know the importance of not speaking during <laughs> mass. Wow. It was wow. just like laying it on so thick. And I was sitting in the back corner of class. Like it's so obvious that she's looking at me. She can't have been looking at anyone else. And in an instant, I just look at the boy next to me as if he's the one that's getting in trouble. (laughs) Yes. uh. The the entire class is staring at me and I'm like. <laughs> looking, looking away at Was another, that you, another- Steven? <laughs> <laughs> um, absolutely terrifying, especially since she had to say it in front of my teacher was already strict. And this wow. is why, as a teacher, I don't like rules. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. blah, blah. Only the yeah. necessary ones. I don't care about the dumb rules. Wow. Oh, man. Anyway. Wow. Ugh, I'm so outrageous. Sorry. What was that principal's name? Oh, uh, Mrs. Enos. But I did like her in other ways, to be honest. Enos? Enos. Okay. I heard Enos. <laughs> I'm sure the, the whole, all the children called her Mrs. Enos. I don't know. I was too Enos. pure to even hear that. Sure. Maybe right. the well, upper grade Ms. kids. Maybe that's why she already. I was like little. Yeah, she was honestly not bad in other ways, but absolutely terrified me as a seven-year-old. Wow! 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 Yeah. Wow! Wowie! What a trip! Okay. Wowie. Next next episode, it's it's our last of the season. It's the end season of finale six, and we're bringing back a style that we had a very fun time with. We are revisiting. We are going to be studying abortion in film. We're going to be bringing you some, and television. We're going to be bringing you some um, cultural moments, some groundbreaking moments, some smaller moments because it's a little bit more normalized today. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're taking you from... I mean, the beginning of one century to the other. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Screens big and small. Silver and gold. It's going to be a great episode. I'm excited excited. to dive into these. It's going to be very fun. So join us for our um, last episode of an incredible season that we are very proud of. Um, So help us close out the season right Get your popcorn. Popcorn. I thought you were going to say pap smear. Get your popcorn. Get your pap. (laughs) Schedule your pap. Pop your pop. 
Oh, boy. And come on down. Join <laughs> us next week. It's going to be fun. You're going to love it. So until then, keep calm. And tear out the tendrils of the men in your life. <laughs> yeah. Our theme song was written by Meg Trowbridge and performed by The Go Ahead. Find them at thegoaheadmusic.com. And our Vicious Psycho logo was created by Katie Newman. Find her at katienewman.online.